So today, some of you might be thinking I'm starting a brand new series. We ended, I saw a sign, what's the deal? But we're gonna kind of hang out today in, in kind of the, the post-Easter, post-resurrection continuation from that of the resurrection. Uh, and today specifically, if you're a person that likes titles, today is entitled, Do You See Him? Now you might be thinking, well, that's pretty straightforward. You know who I'm gonna talk about. Your answer should be yes. But I think there's more to it than just that perhaps this morning for us. I wonder what impact the resurrection has had on you. I, I kind of joked earlier when Mike said to me that kind of Easter fatigue of like we've done loads of services and everything's full on and you were challenged uh, to invite people to church. You were challenged to go share the good news with others. You were challenged to put palm crosses all the way back to Palm Sunday on your doors or your windows. You're probably exhausted of me giving you a challenge. You're like, Adrian, can I just come and sit and be? No, is the answer. <laughs> I mean, yes, we can come, we can worship, we can gather together and sit somewhat comfortably. There are pews, there's only so far you can go with comfort, but thank you, there was a couple of <laughs> But I think the reason that we gather is that God would meet with us, that he would speak into our lives, that he would bring healing, that he would bring encouragements, but also that we would be further equipped to go and share the good news of Jesus. So we're going to turn to our Bible reading for this morning. Um, and it'll be on screen because I've, I've gotten better with, with ProPresenter. I'm learning even more. Ooh. Uh, but if you want to turn to uh, scripture reading, it's Luke 24, 13 through 35. You can turn on your Bibles, open them up. And some of you are probably going to hear some of this and kind of be like, well, this is more of the Easter day story. What, why are we hanging out here? And again, because I think we really need to focus on what God wants for us. And I said it almost like a broken record, we need to make more of Easter. We need to celebrate Easter more. So with that, we turn to scripture and it says this. Now that same day, pause, what day? What day is this? We're picking up in scripture, the day of the resurrection. The day when Jesus appears to Mary and sends Mary to tell the disciples. Um, so the disciples have been told and on that same day, we pick up here. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who, who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. 
They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we uh, talked with this, with, uh, with, while he talked with us on the road and, and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Amen. We're back on Easter Day, right? There's so many things in this scripture. I wonder how often you've read it, and, and maybe even today, what stands out to you? If you're part of a small group, one of the first questions always is what stands out to you on this reading of scripture? But the reason that question is there is because every time we come to scripture, something different will stand out. The spirit will stir something else to be evident to you. Something perhaps that you've already known, but perhaps something that you've never encountered before. When you read this scripture, this account, what stands out to you? One of the things that stands out to me that really hits me is that Jesus appeared to more than just his closest disciples. Jesus appeared to more than just his closest disciples, and he'll appear to us too. Verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Now the implication here, because of where it's falling on from John, is it's two of them is two of the disciples. But what disciple do you know that is named Cleopas? Peter. Thing is, not all would agree that Peter is Cleopas. Many will say that actually that name is one of not the 11, but beyond. Now, here's the thing that we do know. Jesus appears to the 11. But we also know that Jesus had more than just his 12, then 11 disciples. We know that there were many more that followed Jesus. We know that there are many more that follow Jesus. Now there is theological debate. And this is one of the reasons it stands out to me because many will say that name was another name for Peter. 
But we have a lot of other names for Peter, and those are really clearly spelled out for us. But whether it was to Peter or to others, we know, and we know from historical accounts, that Jesus appears to more than just the 11. Yes? One of the reasons we can stand on the fact that Jesus is resurrected is that there are historical accounts that he stands and appears to more than just a small little crew of people. But if he appears to more than just his closest disciples, why do we ever think that he wouldn't appear to us? Why does he not appear to us? He does when we let him. So often we hear the Easter account and we go, oh, he appears to the disciples and the disciples are the core group and they're going to do everything. And, and yes, in one sense, we know, we learn, we see, we read that it's through the disciples, that core crew of 12 now becoming 11 because one who Jesus chose betrays him as was meant to happen, we know. But this 11 are then revealed, this information is brought to them. Jesus is resurrected to them, but we know that there are others as well. Why is that important? Why is that so good? Why does that stand out to me? Because guess what? We're part of the others. You may not be one of the 11. Fair enough. But do you follow Jesus? Let me ask that one more time, because I'm not sure that we're entirely convinced. Do you follow Jesus? There you are. You're going to convince yourself now. I am a follower of Jesus. Amen. If you follow Jesus, you're a disciple. And if you follow Jesus, he appears to you. Now, that is good news. It's good news. But we don't always hold on to it as good news. But his appearance was to more than just the closest, even from the very beginning. And then we see that Jesus can be right next to us, and we can still not recognize him. Now, there's again, great theological debate around this, because it says in verse um, 5, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? I mean, the shock, you can hear the shock in his voice. I'm like, where have you, are you have you been like under a rock? Like what's happened? Now where the, the, where the big debate comes of is, they were kept from recognizing him. Was that the Lord stopping them from recognizing him because at the right moment they had to recognize him? Or was it things of the world, their own downcastness? Was it the end? There's a great plethora of theological debate. doesn't matter where you stand because the point remains that there are times that Jesus could be right next to us and we cannot recognize it's him. Whether it be because of the enemy the world, or because maybe Jesus himself is saying, you're not ready for me yet. Okay. If Jesus is saying to you, you're not ready, that's okay. It's his timing. He is, he is in charge. He is God. I'm all right with that. But chances are, if you're here, you've probably already had that moment of accepting that maybe you're ready. <laughs> so I would venture to say that there are times that Jesus is right next to us. And we don't even recognize it's him. 
because we're distracted. Distracted by what's going on in our own lives, in our own situations, what's going on in the world. You know how many people I've heard say, where is God in all that is happening in Ukraine? Now, here's the thing. As a non-Christian asking that question, you can go, okay, well, you don't believe in God. I get that. But as a Christian, our perspective changes. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't understand why it's being allowed to happen. I don't condone death. I'm not for it. I'm looking and praying for peace. But as a Christian, my perspective is, you know what? God is still in the midst. There are people walking Ukraine right now who love Jesus. We're walking with Jesus. He is there. He is there. Just because we can't see him doesn't mean he's not there. The amount of times that we in our own walks go, well, where is God in this? Where is he in my relationship? Where is he in my struggles? Where is he in my health issues? Where is he in my finances? Where is he? He's right there. Jesus is with you. He's there. If you follow him, you claim him to be your king, your savior, your Lord of all. You've come before the throne. You've bowed down before him. You've given your all. He's with you. And what's more amazing is that we, again, have 21st century hindsight. We know that Jesus pours out his spirit on us. So he is in us, with us, guiding us if we let him. Now, I'm I'm not going to rewrite scripture. But I'd like to think that if these two guys took a moment, took a moment to stop and look at Jesus, they'd recognize him. If they would have taken a moment, because guess what? It's the same Jesus whose hands are still pierced, whose side is still pierced. They would have taken a moment, just a moment, to lift their heads out of their downcast, tired, depressed moments and kind of go, who are you? (gasps) Wait a minute. Now it's in scripture for a reason, because many of us act like these two. Many of us dismiss what is happening around us, dismiss God. But I'd like to think that they and us, if we just take a moment, you'll see Jesus. Maybe right now you're going through some stuff. Maybe you're in the thick of it. Maybe maybe right now you can spend 10, 15, 20 seconds Just going, okay, in the thick of it. Jesus, I know you're here. Let me see you. Let me look at you. And And the funny thing is, is that as they're walking alongside Jesus, they're telling Jesus about himself. Like, oh my days, 
Have you not heard of Jesus, the guy that the prophet spoke of? The guy who, who came, we were hoping he'd be the one who'd save us. But oh man, like, have you ever been that person to try and tell Jesus what he should be doing? Who he's supposed to be? Again, maybe just me. But in my situations, oftentimes I come to Jesus and go, right, Jesus, you are healer, forgiver, savior. So this is how I need you to do it. This is what you're meant to be doing. And then I had that moment of realizing, oh, no, hold on a second. I am just Adrian. (laughs) You are Lord. Okay, (laughs) my bad. (sighs) But they are walking in the knowledge of who he's meant to be. In the knowledge of what he's meant to do. Yet they don't recognize him. Sometimes I think we're blinded by our own knowledge, by our own interpretations. Some of us know scripture incredibly well, and what an amazing thing. Keep going. I'm not, please don't mishear me. Adrian said, I don't need to learn scripture. No, learn it, read it, pray it, memorize it. But scripture reveals Jesus to us. We can have all the head knowledge in the world. You can have every passage from Genesis through to Revelation memorized and every translation ever written, and you can still miss Jesus right in front of you. Now, I'm not saying that's you, but maybe it is. I'm not saying it's your best friends or your partners, or your, but maybe it is. Are we missing Jesus right there with us? And I love the verse 25. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He's like, you're telling me everything about me, but on my days, you're missing it. Have you ever felt like that? I mean, again, maybe me. Where I'm like, Jesus, this is who you, this is what I read. And he's like, Adrian, shh. You're so slow to believe, so slow to understand. You're so loud, Adrian. Just shut up for a second. Maybe he doesn't say to shut up to you. Maybe y'all are too quiet. Maybe he's saying, speak up. I can't hear <laughs> But he right there says all of the stuff that you're, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And he goes on and explains everything to him. And what I love about it is that Jesus further reveals the truth to these two. Jesus can further reveal the truth to you, to me, if we allow him. Jesus will never force himself. And now you've heard it said plenty of times. Some people describe Jesus as God as a gentleman. He will never force himself on anybody. He's not going to make you believe. He's not going to make you listen. He's not going to make you recognize. But he is there. He is there. We then move on. And, 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 and we see this account around the table. And it brings the question, are we seeing Jesus when we come around the table? I love this moment of full-on revelation to these two. Verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and and he disappeared from their sight. Now, this may be a touchy point for some, so I share it with caution. 
When we come around the table, different traditions believe different things are happening. Theologically, big debates across the world. When we come around the communion table and we break bread and we share wine, there is a vast array of what people believe is happening. As high as the kind of Catholic high Anglican where they firmly believe that by the power of the Spirit, the bread and the blood is actually changed into the physical body and the physical blood of Christ. All the way down to the lowest and lowest of views of communion where people are happy to do communion with cookies and milk because it's just a symbol. In this room, we will probably have differing views somewhere in the middle. As a church, we hold on to the fact that it is, in fact, bread and it is, in fact, wine. There's nothing magical that happens. It does not become anything else. They are symbols. However, I will hold that Jesus is present by his spirit when we come around the table. My question to us is, do we see Jesus when we come around the table? When you come around the table, are you just eating a bit of bread? Oh, it's quite nice today. It's a bit dry today. <sighs> are you just drinking the, oh, what, what is this Ribena? Is this what? What is it? Blah, 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 blah. And the thing is, you might think I'm joking about everything I've just shared. I've heard either in this church or in other churches. Oh, can we get better quality bread, please? That wine was rubbish. Why is it not alcoholic? Why are you only non-alcoholic? Is juice okay? Literally, we focus. We focus on the taste. We focus on the texture. And my immediate question that I want to ask people when they brought these complaints to me, and, and I haven't because it feels really rude, but what I want to say is, did you meet with Jesus this morning when you came around the table? Because if you met with Jesus, it doesn't matter what the bread tastes like. It doesn't matter what the wine tastes like because you met with Jesus. Are we meeting with Jesus? Are we seeing him at the table? I'm going to wake up another baby again. I'm so sorry. I've got to, I've got to work on the baby voices. But the question is there, and, I, and, I, and I, 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 it's a firm, passionate question inside of me because, hey, you know what? I believe it's just bread and, and wine. I do. But I also believe firmly that God is present. And you know why I believe that? Because scripture tells me that he reveals himself in those moments. Jesus says, as often as you take and you eat and you drink, do so in memory of me. Remember, he, he literally, as he breaks bread, imagine having so specific a way to break bread and share wine that people go, oh. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, you, if you've been to any other church, you, it, pretty much all the, roughly the same. Like we have different traditions, but if you've seen me break bread, you've seen Mike break bread, chances are we broke the bread pretty similarly. Body of Christ broke it for you. Like you how, how different can you be, right? Somebody might pull out a samurai sword or something, do something really creative or something weird. It'll offend somebody. But, but rarely do you see somebody just break some bread. Somebody just share some wine. Yet the way Jesus does it, opens the eyes of these guys and he reveals himself. He's present at the table. And that's when they go, oh my days. And then the reflection goes on. Were our hearts not pounding when we were talking to him? When we walked, when we did not recognize him, but he was with us, were we not going, oh my days, what's going on? Like my heart, I feel like I'm on, oh, too much caffeine, what's happening? <laughs> because they knew his presence with him. They felt something different. 
They didn't recognize him. They didn't open their eyes to say, it's you. But afterwards, upon reflection, you ever have that moment where you can kind of go, he was there. I didn't even see, I didn't, oh my God, but he was there. Are we making space for him at the table? Are we recognizing that he is with us? And then we see that there's an urgency that comes from the news, from the disciples to share the good news. We see that there's an urgency that comes. Suddenly Jesus is revealed to them. And in verse 33, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Seven mile journey by foot. Now, I don't know how fast you are, but that for me is going to be a slow trek because let's be honest, especially when I've just done it, (laughs) just done seven miles here. I might be like, you know what? And they even said, it's getting tough. Like the reason they invited Jesus to come back in, it's getting a bit late. Why don't you stay for a meal? Just come hang out with us. It's okay. But immediately they went back. They were like, hold on a second. This cannot wait till morning. We got to go back and tell, we got to, we got to tell people that Jesus is, he broke, it's him. He's alive. Come on. When was the last time that we immediately got up and shared with that urgency? Myself included. Like I, I, I love Jesus and I will, I'm a pastor. I will talk, I'm an evangelist. I will talk about Jesus to anybody and everybody. And there are moments of urgency in my life. But we see. They get it. They saw him. And they go, oh, let's go. Now, here's the amazing thing is you already got it. You've already seen him. You're going to continue to get it. You're going to continue to see him. When do we go? When do we go? Again, a possibly not so popular statement, but here we go. I am so blessed by seeing more and more people join the church. It is so amazing. God is doing some stuff, drawing people in, and it's awesome. But most of people who've joined us, gathered to worship with us, already know Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. Come on. But you know what really excites me? That the pews will be fuller and fuller and fuller from people who yesterday didn't know Jesus, but today do. You know what really gets me like, oh my gosh, is to think that this entire place could be filled with almost 5,000 people from Gambling Gay who most don't know Jesus. Granted, we can't fit 5,000 here, but hey, I'll do 25 services if I got to. We'll do it. Because people who don't know Jesus have come to know him and they want to get, come on. But you know what I promise you won't happen? This place will not be full if we only come on a Sunday and we only talk about Jesus on a Sunday and we only worship on a Sunday and we only go, oh, isn't God great on a Sunday? You know what I promise you won't happen? This place will not be full if it is only me going out and having those conversations because I'm paid to do so. It's just not going to happen. I set the challenge for Easter to invite somebody to church. And that was hard. I know. I've had conversations with some people going, man, that was a difficult conversation I had to invite somebody. But that challenge should not just be an Easter challenge. That challenge should be an everyday challenge. Hey, what are you doing this week? And you want to come to church with me? Why are you inviting me to church? Well, because I love you. And and I believe that there's something in church that you will just be amazed by. 
Is it the song? Is it the, the, the speaker? Is it the... No, it's Jesus. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Do you want to come to church? Why are you inviting me to church? Because I love you. Because I have a sense of urgency. Because I really want to share with you what I have. Because the, the, the reality is, is that I've encountered the most amazing God who loves me, who knows me. And the thing is, he loves you and he knows you too. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I get that these conversations are easier in this church context, right? Like it's a lot easier for me to say to you as a believer already, God loves you. And you're like, I know it's great, isn't it? And I get that it can be awkward. And I get that some of our jobs don't allow us to talk about Jesus. And I get every excuse under the sun I've heard, I've given, I understand. But do we believe that God is who he says that he is? Do we believe that the tomb is empty? Do we believe that God has poured out his spirit for us, lives in us, and is guiding us? Then what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? There's an urgency that exists in the disciples. There's an urgency. I'm not waiting until tomorrow. I'm doing it now. Right now as I'm speaking, I bet you there's somebody, somebody's name has popped into your head. Man, I really got to reach out to them. I haven't seen them for a while. I wonder how they're doing. I really got to pray for them. Right now you're thinking, ooh. And the thing is, oh no, I got to pay attention to what Adrian's saying. So you'll forget about that person. And then later on you'll be like, who was it? And you'll walk away. You have permission. Is there someone on your heart right now that God has laid on your mind, on your heart? You got to reach out. Text them right now. I will not be offended. Now, if you just text them and be like, hey, could you put on uh, the oven for 280 degrees or whatever? That's probably too hot for 200 degrees. I, you can tell I don't bake. I cook on the top. That's it. Um, if you just text somebody to put on the oven, that's an issue. I'll be a little bit hurt. But if you're texting somebody because actually God's laying them on your heart because there's a sense of urgency for that person, go. If God is telling you right now to leave this service and go talk, go. You will never have me stop you. And I'd hope and pray that nobody would stop you from going to do what God's asking you to do. Because there's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency. But I think we've lost that. I'm too busy. Other people can be urgent. There's too much going on in my life. Oh, I, I know he's with me, but I'm not seeing him. I can't quite recognize him. And the, and the thing is, this urgency starts with seeing Jesus. If you're seeing Jesus this morning, the urgency builds. Even if it's just a glimpse of who he is. And you know how we're going to see this place filled? You know how you're going to see small groups bursting? You know how your Christian friendship network is going to grow? As you share those amazing glimpses of Jesus. I'm going to take us to another scripture. Um, I'm going to take us to another scripture to kind of share some of this because the, the truth is that we, we put things in the way sometimes. Because actually getting a glimpse of Jesus has an eternal perspective, has an eternal effect. But sometimes we think, oh, they're going to see Jesus and they're going to follow my steps of how they do it. But you know what? I'm going to turn to Luke 23. 39 through 43. We're going to go beyond that of the resurrection. So further back, we're going to rewind a little bit more to the, the, the day of crucifixion. And it says this. One of the criminals who hung there 
hurled insults at him. One of the criminals that hung next to Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This guy, this thief, may have heard of Jesus, but only really catches a glimpse of Jesus on the cross. When he's unrecognizable. When he's beaten beyond belief, when he is bloodier and more cut up than any of us could ever imagine, that is when this thief sees him. And just like that, that little encounter, that little glimpse of who Jesus actually is, not just the dude, but to say, wow, there's an acknowledgement of him. Hey, when you get into your kingdom, could you remember me? There's an acknowledgement, a glimpse of who he truly is. And Jesus says, hey, guess what? You're going to be with me in paradise. Can, can you imagine that conversation? <laughs> between that thief and the heavenlies at the pearly gates? I mean, can you, because Jesus returns, right? He's resurrected. The thief was not yet resurrected. But we see that he's in paradise. So can you imagine that conversation? Right. Um, welcome, sir. Welcome name. Okay, great, fantastic. Uh, have you been baptized? No. Okay. Um, what's your theological stance on this? this and, are you more liberal? Are you more conservative? Uh, right. How'd you get here? I can imagine his response would be something along the lines of, I, I don't know. Except for the guy in the middle cross said I could come. <laughs> Jesus says that to all of us. Jesus, hanging on the cross, says, you can come. The thief caught a glimpse of him. Didn't know everything that Jesus taught. Hadn't been baptized. Didn't even know what that was, let's be honest. Didn't have his theology sorted out. Didn't know where he stood with sanctification. Didn't know where he stood with any of the big theological conversations. Didn't know if, that, if Jesus appeared to the, one of the 11 disciples or another one. <laughs> he didn't know. He didn't have all the right answers. He wasn't a Pharisee. He didn't, had, didn't have even the full-on knowledge of. He just simply saw Jesus. He just saw Jesus. I'd love to have a conversation with him and be like, how shocked were you, eh? <sighs> How shocked were you? Because the guy in the middle cross said I could. Because the guy in the middle cross said I'm welcome. And he says to you, you're welcome. He says to you, come on in. And the thing is, that's probably not news to us. We probably feel welcomed already. We're Christians, right? We've given our lives. But are we seeing him with us? 
He's welcomed us into the kingdom for eternity. And don't get me wrong, that eternal perspective is amazing and it's important. We've got to hold on to it. But that eternal perspective is what sends us out with urgency. Because guess what? Those who haven't had a glimpse of Jesus, those who don't know him, those who haven't recognized he's walking with them, don't know him, don't have that eternal life, will not be with you and me in paradise. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that breaks me. I got family. I got friends who don't yet know Jesus. It breaks me. It breaks me to think that I will be in eternity with Jesus in the most amazing way. No, no more suffering, no more anything, just amazing glory. And those who don't know him won't be there. It breaks me. But I have two choices in that moment. Be downcast. And let it break me. Oh, I thought, I thought he was the answer. I thought he had it figured out. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Or recognize that Jesus is with me and go with all urgency to tell everybody, to pray for everybody, to lift up everybody. The resurrection is real. Jesus is alive. And he's welcoming you, me, and everybody that we know into his presence into his kingdom. The question is, do you see him? Because if you see him, that urgency is there. If you see him, you're being sent out. If you see him, he's stirring something in you right now. Like right now, you might almost be feeling a little bit like nervous and sick, that kind of moment of like, "Ah, I know what you're asking, but I really don't want to do it. I'm not good at speaking. I'm not good at talking to other people. I I really struggle to pray for other people. If you're feeling that right now, guess what? You see him and he's calling you. And that's the sense of urgency. But again, we'll finish service and we'll worship and it'll be glorious. It'll be great. God will meet with us. We'll have some teas and coffees. And then we leave this building. And then what? I'm laying it on heavy today. Yes. And I make no apologies for it. Because it's the urgency that we see in scripture. Are you seeing Jesus this morning? Are you seeing him? What is he saying? Who's he sending you to? And I bet you might even be the least expected person. It'll be another thief on the cross. Him? Her? Really? That's who you're sending me to? Jesus, you're going to welcome them in? Let them catch a glimpse. Let them catch a glimpse of who he is. Salvation's not in our hands. But the good news message is. So do you see him? That's the question. That's the question. Mike's going to come up and we're going to spend some time and Worship. I'm going to spend some time reflecting. Perhaps this morning, perhaps God has not stirred you up. But perhaps, just maybe, you've caught a glimpse. Maybe you knew he was with you already. Maybe you could feel your heart pounding as you were walking down the road and then suddenly you recognize that it's actually him. 
perhaps this morning, there's an opportunity and a space for us to submit to God, to say, okay, I'm not going to look at the road. I'm not going to look at my surroundings. I'm just going to look at you, Jesus. And with that, his spirit will brew an urgency in us. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I, I, I thank you, God. I thank you that you are such an awesome and amazing God. I thank you that you saw it fit for Jesus to come walk this earth, live the perfect life. That you saw it fit for him to take the cross for us. That you paid the price that we would be welcomed in to your kingdom, to your presence. I thank you. I thank you that the tomb did not remain full, but that Jesus is risen. And I thank you, Jesus, that you reveal yourself to us as we walk along the road. Lord, my prayer right now is that we would truly see you. That we would catch a glimpse. We thank you that your ways are greater than ours. <laughs> we thank you that we don't fully understand it, but Lord, we don't actually have to because you are in control. But Lord, I pray that as you're walking alongside us, we would see you. We would recognize you. We would be awed and thankful, but that, Lord, we would also go with that sense of urgency. Would you place it in our hearts? Would you mobilize our feet? Would you make us run, God, for you? Would we be open to seeing you and all that you have for us? Thank you, God. Would you open our eyes, God? Would we see you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.